This is an All Ears English podcast episode 1924. How to localize your resume for Australia versus the U.S. with Pete from Aussie English. Welcome to the All Ears English podcast downloaded more than 200 million times. We believe in connection, not perfection with your American host, Lindsay McMahon and today's featured guest coming to you from Denver, Colorado, USA. And to get your transcripts delivered by email every week, go to allearsenglish.com forward slash subscribe. On the podcast today, I interview Pete Smithson from Aussie English. Pete will give you three tips to get your resume ready for the business world in Australia plus a bonus tip about key spelling differences between Australia and the U.S. that you'll want to know. So listen in today. Before we start, a quick message from our sponsor, Indeed. Are you hiring this quarter? In our experience, it can be a grueling process if you don't have efficient tools. But finding the right candidate who adds value to your business is so incredibly important. So why not ditch the busy work? Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with great candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash AEE. Just go to Indeed.com slash AEE right now. Support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. I-N-D-E-E-D -E -E dot com slash AEE. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Pete. Welcome to All Ears English. How are you today? I'm good. How are you going, Lindsay? I'm fantastic. I'm excited to have you back on the show. Guys, on the show today, we have Pete Smithson back on the show again for the third time. Pete is the creator of Aussie English, and he is the host of the Aussie English podcast and the Aussie English YouTube channel. It's always a good time when you're on the show, Pete. How's everything going today? Yeah, good. It's summer at the moment, although... We're in the middle of, uh, I don't know if you guys experienced La Nina and El Nino over in, in America. Do. do you guys have that? Yeah. We so we're in La Nina, which is a, a huge weather cycle period for multiple years, whereas way too much rain. And so at the moment yes. it's kind of not too hot, but it's just raining constantly despite being in December, obviously for, for, and for us in the Southern hemisphere, that's when we have our summers. So. That's your summer. What a weird mm -hmm. time. Right? Summer and, Christmas. Yes. <laughs> and Christmas is coming. It's such a strange combination of events, right? But you're used to it. Mm -hmm. um, I was just mm -hmm. down in the Southern Hemisphere last month, and I just love the amount of light that there is at this time of year. It's just incredible, yeah. you know. But anyway, side point. So today, Pete, we are getting into resumes, right? Submitting your resume, especially in Australia versus the US. So uh, Pete, in your world, before you became a creator, what did you do? Did you apply for a lot of jobs in the nine to five world? Or what track were you on before? So yeah, sort of, I don't know if it's a point of pride or a point of embarrassment, but I've never had a full-time job because uh -huh. I was always studying at university. I did my bachelor's, master's and PhD there in biology and then 
always sort of had part-time jobs whilst doing yeah. that. And then after that finish, I ended up the podcast host and, and content <laughs> creator online. And that's been my full, quote, full-time job ever since. Got it. So yeah, I did still have to do resumes, but I probably didn't ever put in anywhere near the sort of effort that would be required and, and quality control and everything like that if you're applying for a very professional full-time job, but still had to do it. Yes. And there were some di- differences between... I think other countries and how they would do things, including America and what we would do here in Australia, big things, the cover letter, and then just being sort of succinct with your, your past history and everything and not going, you know, not handing in a 10 page document because no one's going to read it. Right. Yeah. That's what we're going to get into today. I'm excited to highlight specifically, you know, applying for jobs in Australia, you know, how might it be a little bit different, but first I want to ask you, Pete, how did you go from biology to teaching English online and being a podcaster. I'm super curious about that. How did that switch happen? <laughs> uh, it's a bit of a long story, but I'll try and give you the the long and the short of it. So when I was at high school, I learned, I was doing Mandarin Chinese and then okay. French at, at high school. And so I, I ended up dropping Mandarin Chinese because there was way too much competition in terms right. of... Um, uh, immigrants, immigrant children who spoke it fluently and would do that subject to be able to dominate it at year okay. 12. So I ditched it, did French. Didn't do French after that for like 10 years and lost it all. But then when I was doing my PhD, I started getting into fitness and doing a bit of um, martial arts, so BJJ and mixed martial arts in Melbourne. Okay. And I started meeting just loads and loads of foreigners who spoke different languages and would just be surrounded by Turkish and French and Brazilian Portuguese and Spanish and, and Chinese and, you know, loads of different languages and started to feel a bit embarrassed that I only had English. So I started working my butt off with French and was listening to a podcast called Francais Authentique, Authentic Mm -hmm. French. I'm not sure if you know Johan, but he he was great. And then I'd had a bit of experience with podcasting during my science degrees, just as sort of um, appearing as a, you know, quote unquote scientist on these podcasts to talk about things. And when I would go to the gym and chat with my friends who were French, I would say, you know, I'd be speaking in French with them and they would be like, you, you've been improving really quickly. What's the secret? I have trouble with English and Australian English is a nightmare. Okay. And so I was like, I'm using podcasts. So I get loads and loads of listening comprehension every single day when I'm walking or commuting or in the lab doing work. I can just listen to, you know, four hours of podcasts in a day. It adds up. Yeah. And they were like, are there any for Australian English? And I had a look and was like, nope, there's there's <laughs> there bugger all. There's there's none. There's nothing. Yeah. So I decided to take it upon myself. I think probably 2015, the end of 2015 is when I started. And I finished my PhD in two, 2017, at the end of 2017. So there was about two years as it was growing. And by the end there, it was just starting to get me an income. And I was like, this looks like it could become a full-time job. And I much prefer this helping people. It was much more fulfilling sure. than doing, you know, pipetting in a in a lab, you know, by myself, uh, doing genetic work. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh, so love that, was, that was effectively the story and never looked back. Yeah. That's the origin story. Isn't it cool when you get to kind of fill sort of a gap in the universe, whether there isn't something doesn't exist, right? I can't believe that a mm-hmm. podcast for Australian English did not exist in the world and you were able to fill that. I love it. Guys, before we get into today's tips from Pete, I want to make sure our listeners know where to go and check out your other episodes on All Ears English. So guys, Pete was on for episode 1805, where he gave us three tips for life in Australia. We talked a little bit about the lifestyle there. And then he was on 1366. That must have been around 2020. Uh, We talked about Aussie English slang. So guys, check out those episodes and then come right back here to this episode because now, Pete, let's get into it. Tell me a little bit about your tips on how to submit a resume 
in or how to submit kind of a job application in Australia? What do we have to know that could be a little bit different from in the US or the rest of the world? What would be your first tip? Well, one of the big things I used to notice when I was working in a restaurant and there would be people coming in and, and handing in their resumes, quite a lot of the time they would be from overseas and they would always have like a photo on the front of their resume of oh, themselves. Yeah, right. And that's something where I was just like, you don't need to do that. Like, and it, you know, it, it sort of felt weird that you put that there expecting that we would want to see you as a photo as opposed to just in the interview or when you came in or something. But the other thing was it takes up so much space on the front. And so I would be like, you're wasting important real estate on the yes. front page where you could be writing your cover letter, the succinct cover letter. And so my first tip here is, is include a succinct cover letter that's usually just the front page mm -hmm. and you are displaying why you have the experience and knowledge and would be a perfect fit for the job effectively, right? And so a big thing here too, I've noticed that a lot of people will create like a sort of, what would you say? A, um a, a cover letter that that kind of fits all and right. it, as a result it, it doesn't really fit generic. any so it's mm -hmm. yeah exactly that's the word i was looking for generic cover letter and that is sort of a big no-no unless you are just trying to throw out as many resumes as possible like going fishing and hope that something jumps on the line yeah um, no, so it doesn't work right the the advice that i've always had especially from my parents who were working at universities in the education department and doing a lot of hiring they would always be like read your job application, read it clearly, work out how you are the best person for this job. You know, even if you don't think that's the case, play yeah. it up as if you yeah. are and specifically tackle points related to that job to show, to display that you have read and understood what the job is and what they require. And you are quickly and succinctly displaying why you are a good catch, why you're a good person to hire. Because yes. for the most part, and my dad was always saying this, he'd get like a hundred applicants for a job and he'd be like, I'm only reading the first few lines of the um, cover letter, unless it's a good one. And then I'll read the whole thing. But he's like, I don't have time to read every single resume. And so you have mm -hmm. to do a good job. It's that first impression, right? So do a good job with your cover letter, make it succinct, you know, probably review that more than the rest of your resume, because that's that sort of... um it's like Tinder dates, right? If you're a blind date where you're meeting someone, you want to show up as best as you can, you know, in nice clothing, maybe with makeup on or, you know, not just fresh out of the gym, smelling horrible. 100%. You want to put your, your best face forward, right? So Absolutely. yeah, do your best with the cover letter. If you know me, you know that I value healthy eating. I always feel better when I eat well. That's why I think Factor is great for busy professionals who also value healthy food. Factor provides ready-to-eat meals right to your door. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Cost is an issue these days when it comes to buying food, but Factor is less expensive than takeout. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash B-A-E-E 50 and use code B-A-E-E 50 to get 50% off. That's code B-A-E-E-5-0 -E at F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S 
dot com slash B A E E five zero to get fifty percent off. But yeah. what do you think? Is it like that in the US? For sure. Absolutely. I, I love that you had that insider perspective, you know, watching your parents or your dad kind of look at those letters and toss ones out just based on mm-hmm. how he saw that. Yeah, that's similar in the US. You do need to present a cover letter. I have one question for you in Australia, and I've never quite known how to do this in the US either because I'm in a similar boat. I kind of bypassed the entire nine to five <laughs> world too. I never did it. Exactly. I completely bypassed it and I will never go to it. So that that's how my life has gone. But do you copy and paste your cover letter as well as attaching it as a PDF? Or do you just copy and paste it into the email with no attachment involved? Like how, what is the right, you know, etiquette to go about yeah. that? Um, that's a good question. I don't think I know really, like yeah. if there is a specific etiquette to it, I'd probably make sure that it's always attached to the front of the resume document so that okay. they don't miss it. Because mm-hmm. they can always, if they if you've copy and pasted it into the the email or you've attached it as a separate document, I reckon it could potentially get lost. You know, they yes. may miss it. They may just yes. forward the um that one file of your resume. And again, if someone picks it up and there's no cover letter on it, the cover letter on it, they may just be like, well, this person's lazy and just forgot it. So right. into the no pile. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I'd probably err on the side of um repeating it, having it in too many places as opposed to right. too few, right? Just in case. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. But I I was never sure about that when I was applying for jobs. So it's good to know now. And I completely agree with you with the, not putting the photo uh, because, you know, mm-hmm. we just, we, there's, you know, we should be judged based on our experience, not our photo. It's very irrelevant and weird to see that on a resume. So if you're applying mm-hmm. in Australia or the US guys, don't put your photo on the resume. Awesome, I love it. So Pete, what would be that second tip? So when writing the resume, a big one, I think, is for people who speak English as a second language, it would be focusing on the formal kind of grammar. And there's probably a pretty, there's probably a a nice balance that you need here with uh, standard English and maybe a little bit of formality, but not over the top. Right. But you could probably get away with being a little over the top with with formality when writing it. Because if I read it and it does sound a bit unnatural because it's Mm -hmm. so formal, I'm still going to think they've done that because they're they're working really hard at producing a, a good document, right? Whether or not yes. they're a native speaker. Um, so yeah, I would say avoid informal informal language and focus on on good grammar and formal language and formal grammar. You can use tools like Grammarly to mm. kind of check it. And they I haven't used it recently, but I would imagine they probably have settings on their four resumes. Probably, and a, yeah. Yeah, I would imagine they'd have like a business English kind of yes. of setting to go through and check because the grammar can be different, the wording can be different that mm-hmm. you would use. Mm-hmm. If you don't have access to that, obviously you can have people proofread it who are you know native speakers or not, people who have experience applying for right. jobs and writing resumes or reading resumes. And then obviously getting on Google and just finding example resumes, you know, asking mm-hmm. friends and family if they have example ones in English that you can read. And just taking structures, grammatical structures or sentences that mm. make sense to put into your own resume. Obviously, don't plagiarize it. Yeah. And, you know, sure. I, I've got all this experience that isn't mine, but um, no, take no, those no. structures that they've used yeah. and rewrite it into your own. And you're also going to be sort of working on your English simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So I that's think that's a, a big one. And it un- it's unfortunate, but I think it is really, really important to nail the English in your resume. Because again, if mm. I... Whether consciously or subconsciously, if I were hiring someone and I read the resume and their English had mistakes, if I didn't think that they were um, learning English, I would probably think 
that they are potentially not intelligent enough to have the job, right? Like if I thought they were Australian and they had horrible English, I'd be like, well, this, you know, I'm going to have that conscious or subconscious bias. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, if I think they're learning English, I may have the bias of like, oh, well, is the English going to be good enough? I might be nervous. Maybe I need to find a native speaker or not. So I think that's for better or worse, whether or not that's okay. Yes. A big thing is going to be just nailing your English in the resume. So get as many people to look at it as possible. Check it. Use Grammarly. Okay. Get on your Word document and use spell check, everything like that. I love it. So true. So this is the time to really button up our English on our resume, on our cover letter, yep. right, Pete? And, you know, it's it's meant to get us the interview and once we get into the yeah. interview we you know we'll have a little bit more leeway because the the person will know our experience but definitely button up your english for the resume and by the way yeah grammarly should have something for resumes i use grammarly sometimes too and it even works on my canva slides it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a a plugin is it for your yeah, um it's in it's in your browser uh, for your browser and it just shows up on pretty much everything i do it's mm -hmm. fantastic it's great for native speakers non native every anyone anyone and everyone who just wants a grammar check mm -hmm. wants to see if there's another word we could put in and we can learn a lot from it so guys i like that recommendation but overall i like the idea just get a little bit more formal when it comes to the resume and cover letter. All right, cool. Pete, what's number three? So I think focusing on that succinctness throughout the entire resume, a lot of times when I've read resumes and, and even when I've written my own, you have this feeling of, I need to include everything. I need to right. give everyone every, every bit of possible information for them to use, but you've got to remember, they're not going to be reading the majority of it. They're probably, they're just, it's your foot in the door. And they're just seeing whether or not they can be bothered interviewing you, right? So that's why there's that importance on cover letter first and then the, you know, the writing inside the resume, but then keeping it succinct, avoiding waffling on about things that aren't important and including mm -hmm. information that may not be relevant. So I would say, obviously include, say, your most recent job experience and everything like that for the last couple of years, but you don't have to go back to high school, you know, unless you're straight out of high school. Right, um, right, right. And, and also obviously including the stuff that is directly relevant to the job. You know, mm -hmm. so if you've worked in McDonald's, but you're applying to be an engineer and you have all this other experience, there's probably no point in, in including the fact that you worked at McDonald's. So that's not going to yes. do you any favors or any um, any negative negative experiences there either. So, yeah, I would yeah. probably say keep it succinct, focus on that. And as you said, just focus on the fact that the resume is your foot in the door. It's just getting you the interview and the interview is where you get to shine. And the good thing about the interview is whether or not the interviewee or the interviewers know a lot of what's going to matter there is their connection with you as a person, like the experience and everything mm. is sort of the box ticking side of things. But at the end of the day, that that's the point where they're really trying to vet, are you legit Yeah, with your experience and, and can you communicate clearly and everything? But then probably most importantly, do they like you? Do they mm. think you're going to be a good fit for the team? Are you 100%. going to be able to work with someone? My wife was telling me this story the other day where her boss, her boss sat her down and was like, you actually had less experience than someone else who came in um, for the job that you applied for and got. But the woman who was the boss of her boss, who was on the interview <clears throat> panel, pretty much just said, nah, screw the other person. You clearly get along with my wife really, really well, yes. um, you know, with Kel. So mm -hmm. she's your human. She'll get the experience, but you guys obviously are going to click way more and be a better fit for a team than this other person who had more experience, but yes. you wouldn't necessarily uh, jive with on the same level. And so 
even if you don't necessarily have the experience that other people do, you may just be a more personable person mm-hmm. who fits into that role better, gets along sure. with the the people, has a good rapport, and the interview is where you get to show that, right? So yeah, right, right. So what we want to get to that interview, so keep it simple. I love it, and I love that you use the word for our listeners, waffle on. That is a great bonus <laughs> that I just want to highlight for our listeners if that's new, which it might be. We use that in the states too. What does it mean, Pete? Just real quick. It would be like talking incessantly, right? Talking on and on about nothing important. So what I've done for a lot of these points, I could have probably kept them more succinct, but I tended to <laughs> waffle on a bit more than I probably should have. <laughs> and I'll have to look into the origin, right? Because you'd usually right. see the word waffle. And I think this would be American, right? This is uh, that sort of grid-shaped dessert that you would make yeah. out of flour and water, and like a pancake that you put in a press. Is True. And in, in the States, it's actually, it, it's a dessert. It's also a breakfast, believe it or not. But okay. we like sweet okay. things. So, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, go figure. I love it. Okay. So the point is here, guys, you know, keep it simple. Keep it succinct. Get yourself into that interview. So then you can connect like your wife did right? She got the job because they liked her more. Often that's what it comes down to is will you get Mm -hmm. along with your coworkers? Will you fit in in this office environment? So good. So let's get to the part I'm most excited about here, Pete, with this this interview is spelling. Tell us about when we are submitting a resume or a cover letter in Australia versus maybe the US, what do we have to be careful of when it comes to spelling differences? Well, it's probably not the end of the world, right? Like it it won't matter too much if you use American spelling. And to be fair, I think a lot of Australians probably insert words from time to time where we're using the American spelling without even knowing it. But I think just to avoid showing people that you are a foreigner or that you have foreign English or that you're, you know... And I don't mean that in like a negative kind of way, but it is in this sort of a case where you are applying for a job and it is kind of blind and they're reading the letter and that's all they have to go off. I would be trying to stick in the crowd, the local crowd as much as possible. So if I were going to America, I would be avoiding using Australian English, Australian slang, everything like that in the cover letter, because I would just be like, they don't need to be reading this and be thinking or you right. know, being right. being pulled out of the moment where they're meant to be just getting that information, right? Mm-hmm. So a big thing would be using Australian spelling, which is just the same as British English spelling, right? We got it from them. You guys are the ones yeah. that changed it, I think, I in the 1800s. Yeah. You okay. sort of half standardized it, right? And so some <laughs> of it made sense with removing superfluous vowels or con- changing consonants that didn't make much sense in those places. Right. Um, but yeah, I would say use this, you make sure that you're using Australian or British spelling. And again, you can probably use settings in your Google Docs or Word or Grammarly or whatever to just change the language when doing it. And, you know, you could probably just write your resume in American English, whatever English you use, and then just do a spell check when you change it over to Australian British Mm -hmm, English mm -hmm. and then just go through and adjust all those words. And they're mostly going to be nouns, really, I think. Mm. So So that's why we have to use our tools, right? There's no shame in having a tool like Grammarly, having a spell check, having a, a human being look at it for that spelling. Let's talk about some examples. So for example, double consonants. Tell me about Mm -hmm. that in the US versus Australia. What are we talking about here? Well, this is one of those things that really confuses me because I would have thought that the US would remove the superfluous double consonant, whereas it seems you guys have kept the double, say L's, right? In words like enroll or fulfill, at the end of those words, you've got two L's, whereas in British English or Australian English, we have one. And so, yeah, you'll, yeah. you'll quite often see that. And even I get confused with that. I'll be writing and I'll be like, 
is it a, is it one yes. L? Is it two L's? Right. And I'll have it on my website sometimes, you know, where I've used two L's instead of one, and I'm like, it's Australian English, and I don't even know. <laughs> so yeah, right, right. And then it can get frustrating. <laughs> and why do we have that extra L? That's a good point, Pete. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. We don't need it. It doesn't. Do, it doesn't serve any purpose, right? So I think. It would mm -hmm. potentially, the argument could be made that if you have those double consonants after a vowel, mm -hmm. it changes the vowel compared to, it makes it a short vowel, right? Instead mm -hmm. of a, a diphthong or a longer vowel. So if mm -hmm. I had, if you just had fulfilling and it was spelt with one L, it can look like it's for filing, mm -hmm. right? Or in enrolling instead yeah. of enrolling, you know? So they, they, that mean. argument could be made, but be made. I think for the most part, it's not that confusing. <laughs> so it's probably... It. A, it's probably a bad example in terms of how it made a difference. Yeah. So words like, again, like enroll, fulfill, uh, I'm sure there are a bunch of other ones, but guys, that gives you a sense. So that's the first one, double consonants. And what else? Do we have an E, an ENTS, ending in ENTS, for mm -hmm. example, defense, offense, defense, offense. Tell us about that. I yeah, well, and you've just said them with American pronunciation, right? And mm -hmm. I find these two words really interesting. So yeah. defense and offense, we would spell in British or American, um, British or Australian English with a CE at the end, whereas you guys changed right. it to an SE, which no. it seems to make sense, right? Like it's, is, yeah. you know, synonymous it's, with the, the mm -hmm. letter S. <laughs> yeah. But the interesting thing is how you guys changed the emphasis and I think even the vowel pronunciation, right? So you would say defense and offense. Mm -hmm. And when I hear that as an Australian, I'm thinking you're talking about sports. Immediately, right. I'm thinking mm. the, the the defense of a basketball team or the offense instead of saying defense and mm. offense. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, if you were to mm -hmm. say defense and offense, offense, I I feel as you've offended someone. Yeah. Like you've said something and, oh, they've taken offense. Yes. And defend is like to defend with your life, right? You're going to protect yes. something. So right, 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 right. Do you guys pronounce those all exactly the same way or do you have a it's, difference? It's a little tricky now that I'm thinking about it. So if I say mm. something like in my defense or the, a mm. defense lawyer, I would say defense. But if you're right. talking about sports, the defense, the offense, play defense, play offense. So it just depends on what we're trying to say. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So it is you guys as well, because yeah, I yeah. always hear it and I would probably just use defense in both situations. Okay. Interesting. But because I'm so used to hearing American English, I might start saying defense and offense for, for Fair um, sports. Fair Fair enough, but yeah, yeah, that's a common one. And then vowels, things like um, the OU, you guys changed into just O, right? So color and flavor and behavior, those sorts of words, you've you've changed it. Yeah. And that's a big one. They're the kind of words that come up more frequently. So we'll see those and be like, if they've written color and they only have OR, I'll be like, mm -hmm. American English, Americans, American English. <laughs> <laughs> when I see when I see the way you guys spell it, it feels like it should say flavor, right? Or color. <laughs> it's strange to me. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you pronounce the r at the end right which is cool whereas right. we would just say color right it's just an which i think sound. is cool so it works out both ways <laughs> yeah you know we always think the accents that we don't have sound cool right i've i've always yeah. loved the aussie accent to be honest more than the british accent but we won't tell anyone mm -hmm. um and, you know... <laughs> i'm just gonna take that clip out and then put that as one of you know the lines <laughs> on one of my own website pages and then yeah, just... the last little thing i wanted to mention mm -hmm. sorry yeah. to interrupt you was the dates right yes. and yes. The, this is one of those biggest things that causes a lot of confusion between i think just americans and the rest of the world yeah you guys put the month first and then the day yeah. and then the year, whereas we do day, month, year. Yeah. And yeah. so you, for the most part, it's it's confusing. Although I think if you were to, if you see that there are numbers above 12, 
in the middle bit, you know, you know that it's not right. a month, right? So right. you're like, okay, they're using the American system. But right. obviously, if you're applying for a job anywhere that is in America, you want to be, I, I assume, you want to be using day, month, year. Otherwise, it could lead to a bit of confusion there. And vice versa, if you're applying for a job in the US, you want to exactly. switch it. Yeah, so always do it based on where you're trying to apply. I don't know why we do that. I don't know why the rest, I mean, the rest of the world, I don't know why we have to do it differently <laughs> than the rest of the world. It's very weird. And I, to be I honest, feel like it was an accountant that just was, decided, I want to order things yes. from one to 12 for months for the accountant? financial, <laughs> the financial like tax return stuff. It's all their fault, right? Yeah, we'll have to come after that person. But anyways, good stuff. This has been fantastic, Pete. You know, it's really important to know how to essentially localize our resume and our application so that the point is getting in the door for that interview where mm -hmm. then we can fall back on connection, not perfection and building that connection and that relationship. Pete, this is awesome. Could you tell us where our listeners can find you online to find your podcast or your YouTube channel? Yeah, just search Aussie English. So A-U-S-S-I-E English, and it should just come up in Google. You'll find my website, the the um, podcast, the YouTube channel, everything like that. But yeah, otherwise go to aussieenglish.com.au. All right. Fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show today and hope to have you on again later in the year. <laughs> Let's do Take it. Care. Thanks All again. Right. Have a good one. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to All Ears English. Would you like to know your English level? Take our two-minute quiz. Go to allearsenglish.com forward slash fluency score. And if you believe in connection, not perfection, then hit subscribe now to make sure you don't miss anything. See you next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.